0: Balls. <laughs> that actually picked it up. What are you doing?
1: That is an amazing, amazing thing.
0: This isn't alcoholism or anything. Oh. You don't have problems.
1: You're fine. Hey, I'm, I'm part of AA. <laughs>
0: we, we can say that because we've all done it. So.
1: Yep. And uh, here's beer number two. Savage. Oh. Listen, I got a big ass got- beer hug. <laughs>
0: Why am I the only one with drinking coffee? What the hell's wrong? You're a nerd. Oh, I am a nerd. <laughs> all right. Weirdo. He's, okay.
2: Are you a plant? <laughs> yes. I'm,
0: I'm the fed. Right,
2: we
0: go. <laughs> I wish I'd be making more money. All right. We're going to start it up. Project Sabient is a podcast meant to engage our brothers and sisters in law enforcement and military communities in conversations that we all know we need to have. All opinions you'll hear are our own, are protected by our First Amendment of the United States Constitution in no way reflect or are meant to reflect the opinion of any specific agency, officer, or service member. Some opinions may be controversial. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Iman Yes. You savage. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Project Sapien, Iman's drinking beer. I'm not. We want to Sucks say thank to you. you. <laughs> yeah. We want to say thank you to our supporters. First of all, DCD Automotive, which is the block group, AAA Police Supply, Havoc Journal, our partners at the weekly Havoc Podcast, Second Mission, Live Boston OD Kit, Eagle Eye Firearms, Gun Track, Fit Cops, 22 Mohawks, and Joint Operation. Send us an email at ProjectSapient2020 at gmail.com, and don't forget to w- visit our website, ProjectSapient.org. We love every single one of you, and thank you for making us the number one military and law enforcement podcast on the planet yes listening to a bunch of degenerates oh this is awesome
1: uh, (laughs) drinking and what's the side of your cup say big ass beer big ass beer i got this in tombstone yeah you know what didn't we do another episode with that yeah yeah. yep yep
0: tombstone arizona we got somebody very interesting on the horn
1: oh yes we do so uh talk to me if you guys recall last episode um we actually had uh well we we did an article that was written uh uh, on law officer, uh, regarding, yes. a, a former a former, uh, Portland police officer, uh, Stephanie Hudson and the letter that, uh, she wrote to her, uh, leadership regarding a, um, rehiring, mm-hmm. uh, letter they sent out to all the officers that left.
0: Now you've been, you've been talking to her. I haven't spoken to her. Yes. We did that whole episode. I'm sure she heard it and she heard, my opinions on it kudos to her i tipped my hat to her i high-fived her we did everything uh for doing all that what's different now
1: now she's here i got her i got her i I ended up finding her through uh through my other contacts in in portland uh police and uh you know like these are good officers that left or are leaving, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Well, again, well, not is I, my shock face. I got to say but, it.
0: I don't know if she's, and I mean, we know we have her on the line right now, but I don't know if she's aware, but there's even on the East coast right now in my department, major department, a lot of people are like,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I got you. So, so I want to, I want to read this email that we got after we posted this, this letter, and then we'll, okay. bring, we'll bring uh, Stephanie on. All right. So, this email uh, I, I got from a uh, retired commander in uh, from uh, Portland. And from, oh, from Portland. From Portland. So he listened to the episode about. Oh, no! okay. Yep. So he said, uh, "This is him writing. His name is uh, Mike Lee." Um, I am a retired commander from Portland. I just listened to the podcast about the letter written to the city by retired officer Hudson. Your impressions of her were spot on and your descriptor of her as a hybrid wolf. Very accurate. I have known her for most of the 26 years she worked there and she worked under my last command at East Precinct, a rock solid cop who did her job well, uh, could always be counted upon and could always be counted upon for a truthful opinion. You hear that, Portland? That's who you lost. That's that's the officer that's there. That's who you lost. So let's get Stephanie on. She's on. Oh, all right. I'm
2: here. Hey. Hi.
1: Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having
2: me.
0: Thank God you didn't say anything, because I didn't have you muted the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I heard her good. like, listen to these assholes. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: all good. It's all good. But you hear wow. me
2: drinking my beer? <laughs> yeah.
1: Burping. But, uh, wow. Uh, Stephanie, uh, such an honor to have you here. Yeah, um, yeah really. Thank you. You know, it's, it's, it's something uh, very uh, close to myself and Pete, where whenever we get uh, one of our own on the show, one of our own, meaning the actual workers out there, uh, who do the job? It's uh, it's always a special episode, and and that's the way we treat it every time.
0: And I gotta say, I'm in didn't. That's the first time I've read that letter, or you read it. You, know, you read it to me. Uh, that emboldens exactly what my impression of you was, ma'am. Like a hundred percent, just from reading your you know five or six paragraph letter that you wrote to everybody. I'm like, man, she's it. And you know, obviously, the commander said the same thing because he knew you. So we have a very good impression of you. Thank you for doing everything that you did out there. I know you hate Thank hearing you. it. Uh, but thank you for everything you've done.
2: <laughs> no, thank you very much. Thank you for reading that email too. That was nice to hear.
1: Oh, you didn't know about it. Uh, no, I, I, I sent her a screenshot of it, but I, I figured I wanted to read it because yeah. you know, it it's, it's, it's something that needs to be heard because he, here's the thing. It's not like we look for the pat on the back every time we go out there to do the job, but for something uh, this intense, I'd say. And as, as, uh what uh, the way you were treated uh at portland i, I think uh that something like this at least you know you have uh you have uh, allies out there
2: yeah that's definitely good to know because it sometimes it feels like an island when you're out there and you're trying to get a message out that just feels a little bit hopeless which you could probably tell in some of the the material i sent you
1: yeah but, yeah. but hey you kept up the good fight though it's it's not like you backed down or anything like that. You you held on to your beliefs and and that's the whole thing about us uh, cops who are who are those uh, what I call hybrid wolves. Um we we stick to our guns, man, and it's it it's, we have our own moral compass. Law, laws didn't need uh, we didn't need laws to give us that moral compass. We just had it in us as as you know, experiences growing up or whatever. And and it shows, right with you. It yeah. it shows.
0: So, okay. Stephanie, tell us Tell where do you want to start? Tell us about you. Tell us I mean, where did you when did you start in Portland? Why did you want to become a cop? Anything you want to start with? Go for it.
2: All right. I guess I'll start kind of towards the beginning since it's easier to go linear that way. <laughs> but I got hired in ninety four, October of ninety four. Before that I lived in Seattle. I went to school in Seattle and I I knew I wanted to be a cop at some point in actually before college, probably in high school. When I got to college, you know, people or family even saying, yeah, you know, you're, you're not going to make money doing police work. You know, it's just a lot of paper reports. That part's true. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe both is true, but, but um, no, I knew I wanted to do something where I could be out in the public and kind of experiencing life. And my dad was retired air force, taught survival in the air force for 30 years I'm like, I want a cool job like that. I want <laughs> stories. I want to meet people. And that's kind of how I got interested in it. Indeed. So I met I met somebody in a class and uh, at the University of Washington. He said Portland was hiring. I had never been to Portland before. So I gave it a shot. And that's kind of where it started. Started off with a night shift in St. John's area out here. And... <laughs> Uh, I've been pretty much patrol work the entire time, maybe a couple specialty units here and there and undercover work, um, foot patrols, uh, like the undercover stuff involved drug activity, prostitution stuff. And then I ended up in the street crimes unit towards the end and just did investigations, search warrants, um, that kind of thing. So it was I never had the desire to promote. I just thought that it would lose that that important part to me of the job is getting out, meeting the public, and and just the variety of people I would have never met in the course of my lifetime. You like being I not the boots the on the job. ground.
0: What's that? You liked being the boots on the ground.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: So, when did everything start changing?
2: Uh, it's it's kind of like the frog in the frying pan thing that saying goes where slowly stuff is starting to go bad but for me recently it's almost like it just accelerated and it it was going i don't know police work has been changing for a while but it didn't get really bad obviously until uh george floyd overdosed and you know all the riots happened after that and it, it was just unbearable after that because all of a sudden we were just the bad guy you could couldn't do anything right in so this job. i gotta
0: i gotta make a, a comment um, because of something i heard today and i don't know what your political affiliation is it doesn't matter but i'm just going to state the obvious uh president 46 came out today and uh and said that the george floyd death which Overdose, but the George Floyd death was more important than when Martin Luther King was assassinated. Oh, Jesus. And it's Martin Luther King Day today. I mean, guys aren't going to hear it until next week, but we're recording it, pre-recording it. But the man actually said that, and he actually said it with conviction, too.
1: And I I almost threw up. That is is actually... so much dishonored, uh, the it, great Martin Luther King. I,
0: now, and I'm, I try and be as fair as possible. If 45 had said that, I am a staunch 45 supporter. You know this, right? I am as far right as like three, per, three percenter can. I mean, as far right as you can go. <laughs> yeah. Right. But if he said that, I'd be like, what in the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. So yeah. And that only, you know, came to mind when you mentioned it. And I'm like, I have to get this out. I have to tell I'm in, I'm in, that's, that's, that's it, so. the
1: ADD moment. That's, yeah.
0: Squirrel. <laughs> so,
1: so, but, but, uh, so uh, getting back to you. So, so. Yeah. When you start, you said when, after George Floyd died, um, now, it's kind of like how it happened in Boston, how it happened in Providence, how it happened in Portland, Seattle, like these pockets of cities, New York City, even though we were not even close to uh, Minneapolis where it actually happened, um, why, or, or I don't know if you know why your city was chosen as one of the cities to burn, essentially. God.
2: Because we pretty much have always been that way. I, it, it, the motto for Portland is keep Portland weird. And that is okay. just, yeah, the understatement of the century.
0: I've never heard that.
2: Yeah, uh, or a strange, keep Portland weird or keep it strange, but either way. <laughs> so, is it <laughs> like,
0: so has it been like the Antifa Mecca? Is it like where everybody yes. goes? Okay.
2: Yeah, I think it's the headquarters here, Rose City Antifa. I think it pretty much was born in Portland. See, I didn't so, know this.
1: I did not know yeah.
2: that. Wow. Well, I remember when I was watching the the Floyd deal and i'm thinking oh shit here we go yeah it don't answer the phone cuz they're going to be calling you to come in <laughs> for riots yeah right yeah. and it it just I, i'm like it's it's going to go to shit and then yeah. Yeah, we all knew you know all of us in patrol and anybody with half a brain knew if you don't put a stop to the riots and and draw the line in the sand the first night then it's going to be a long, long, painful time. I mean, well,
1: that's that's the whole thing. What I always say is, if you lose the initiative, you lost the the battle, you lost the war, you lost the right, all that stuff. Because uh, that's that's one thing uh, in Boston during our right, and I will always commend Commissioner Gross for this. Is he didn't allow it to get that way. Uh, you know, Commissioner Gross. Told, it got bad. It got bad, but Commissioner Gross stuck stuck to his guns though.
0: But here's the problem: we don't have Commissioner Gross anymore.
1: No, we don't. He's gone. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying back. But- Back, back then back then when we had commissioner gross he told city council and the mayor stay in your lane stay stay in your lane and we're going to put a clash put put to this to Yeah. right and it's it stopped after day 2 exactly it ended and Providence, now same thing after one day now it got what's done.
0: happened with police reform and all that and i don't know if you're aware of this stephanie is we've gotten rid of oc yeah yeah we've yeah. gotten rid riots. of bangs yeah we've gotten riots, rid yeah. of it's insanity. So I've, no I've been saying canines to myself, "Yeah, are allowed
1: yeah, to be out there
0: because the canines are aggressive. Well, what are they going to do? Lick you? Yeah, uh, <laughs> right.
2: It's re- it's ridiculous because all of the things they got rid of are ways to safely control riots. Exactly. Now they basically just leave you with a stick and your fist, and of course people were going to get injured that way. Gas is annoying and it yeah, it hurts your eyes and, you know, and you whatever. <laughs> yeah, and your clothes stink. But Look, it, it, seriously, um, you take that away, it, it makes no sense. And then you wonder why people are getting injured.
1: Yeah. And
0: well, they don't and have
2: anything left. The like,
0: last protest that we had, and I, I, I came from a special ops background, right? So, and I explained it to them when they gave us the order. They said, no masks, no gas masks. Don't bring them with you. And bring your helmet, but have it strapped to your side because you don't want to look aggressive. So I said, yeah, we're not allowed to use mass uh, gas. What if they do? And they're like, oh, well, yeah, don't bring it anyway. And I'm like, oh, Oh, we had
2: we had the same thing happen here. I think it was during the one percenters, the Wall Street thing and stuff. They would let these uh, protesters, you know, just take over the parks that were around the federal building, around the courthouse and the, uh, the jail. And they were finding weapons, like shopping carts with knives attached to them, you know, to use as ramming devices, all sorts of stuff, but they don't want us to look offensive And I know that a team was sent out there and they were told not to put their helmets on. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I'll
1: tell you. uh, Yeah, I'll tell you g G20 summit. I'll never forget. That was out in Pittsburgh. And uh, and at the time when I was working for uh, a large department in the city, i uh i got tasked to go out there because i was part of the uh, riot team uh, crowd uh, crowd uh, control unit so uh we we actually were requested by pittsburgh pd you know uh, riot teams from all over the country went went there and we all got deputized as uh, as uh, i didn't know that yeah pittsburgh officers and stuff like that and we did a quick you know swearing ceremony with the mayor
0: of, uh, i knew they were pittsburgh. doing i didn't know you did it. yeah no wow, I went out
1: there, but here's the thing like it was it was such an experience uh, to be in the middle of that. Mm. Um, I mean, I still, I, I remember I still have the video saved of these freaking I'll call them Antifa because Antifa was always around even back then. Uh, whatever you want to, whatever they want to morph themselves into today, it is what it is. But these, these militants, I'll call them, uh, walking around, marching around, you fucking fascists, you know, swearing and yelling yeah. at us. And meanwhile, here's the thing. We were all suited up, helmet up, Turtle gear and all. turtle gear gear. We had our shields. We had our batons. uh, Swat teams were stationed everywhere. We were like ready to fight. And man, it was, it was a fight. It was three days and three nights of intense uh, fighting, but we never let up. Right. We had a job to do to keep that city safe, to keep the residents safe, because I'll tell you right now, the residents were sick and tired of these rioters. Protest all you want. Right. But the minute you start deciding, like, I'll I'll never forget it. We were at the bottom of a hill. We see this large fireball coming down at us. And we're like, what is that? (laughs) They lit a freaking dumpster on fire and sent it (laughs) towards us. Now, tell me, tell me, is now, if you want to talk basic use of force law, right? Yeah. You're at lethal now. We, yeah, should drop, no we should drop. We should drop our shields, grab our guns, and start taking them out. You know, the ones that fucking launched that dumpster at us. You know, it was like, oh my god, it was. It no, was. Here's
2: a, it, here's the order you would get. Stand your ground.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, stand my yeah. Okay. So, so one thing I want to touch on, Stevie, before we uh, we get into your letter and everything is actually you told me of a story. It was it was a remarkable story about survival. How you survived uh, a uh, what we what what the media likes to call an armed. Uh, Gentleman, that uh-huh. you and your partner had to go up against. Uh, could, could you just talk about that a little bit? That way we can, you know, just so we, uh, our listeners get a sense of also who you are.
2: Sure. Yeah. So uh, in 98, I would have had about four years on at the time. It was New Year's Eve, like early morning. And I get a typical unwanted call, you know, your routine unwanted And it's in some hotel that's low income hotel where people live there, secure building. So I I call partner, it's like, hey, can you meet me here? Cause if, once you're in that building no one else can get in unless somebody's gonna let you in. So, um, and your radios don't always work. So anyway, we go up to uh, talk to this guy who had urinated on somebody's door. So it was that person who called And anyway, um, he was uncooperative, uncommunicative. Uh, It came down to the fact that we're going to need to take him to detox. So we go to put him in custody. And it's like just about getting ready to handcuff, you know, something you do every day. And all of a sudden, he just went apeshit, like out of the blue, broke free. And I think he punched my partner in the head. And then I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> and then he flings my partner off. And then, you know, then he flings me off. It's like this back and forth of trying to grab onto him. And uh, ultimately he tackles me. It's, It was a hard story to tell just because When I remembered it, I would remember it in stages. Yeah. yeah. And it seemed it was like longer than what it was, but it was seconds. seconds. So I think what happened is he broke free, tackled me from behind and had my arms pinned. So as I would remember it, I was on my knees fighting. I could hear him or feel him pulling on my gun. But I think it was one fluid moment movement down to the floor. But what stuck in my brain at that time was the very instant, that very moment that he grabbed onto my gun, hmm. a million thoughts went through my head. And I would look back. It's like, how could I have thought so many things? Did I really think that at the time? In that half a second. But yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know if he, I couldn't get, my, get to my gun and hold it in because my arm was pinned. I could feel him pulling it. I didn't know if it was out. I was p- pretty sure that I was... Um, about to get shot in the back of the head. So I'm thinking, God, who's going to tell my, my family, you know, that I just got executed in some shit bag hotel, you know, with my for own nothing, handgun for nothing. Right. Yeah. So ended up being a ground fight. He put my head through a wall. He put my head, well, pulled me back out, put my head into like a door jam. And I remember, I, I think I almost, well, I know I almost passed out and there was so much adrenaline going through me that that's probably the only thing that, you know, helped me there. So I remember looking down and I'm like, what's all this white stuff on the ground? And why is the ground wet? I'm like, ah, oh, I'm in his piss. So of course that thing. Grows- <laughs> all the things that you think about, I'm like, eh. so I'm trying to back out and I'm on my hands and knees. I'm like, I'm on my hands and knees. I can still get up. I'm still in this fight. And now I'm just keeping him off balance or so I think so I'm backing up and then suddenly I just collapse under his weight and now my gun hand is pinned under my body I got one arm up above me the only thing I could do is reach my shoulder mic and the whole time I never saw my partner but I knew he was I knew he was there I thought he was behind me it turns out that he was actually right next to me, and that he got knocked down to the ground as well. So it was just this violent ground fight, and I had uh, tunnel vision. So, uh, I, right when I start to feel I'm pulling on my gun again, I go to grab my mic, and that I was trying to call for cover. And I just I think I screamed into my my, my mic, my gun, my gun, and then my partner said. Steph, we're going to have to, i have to shoot him. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, did I say okay out loud? I don't know. I yeah. think so. But it feels like losing at that moment. It's like, yeah. we, neither of us wanted that to happen that way. I wanted to get up and I wanted to kick the shit out of him for scaring me.
3: Yeah.
2: And anyway, when he said that, uh, the guy on my back I'd find out later, it felt like he was starting to get off of me, but the only thing he was doing was reaching over to grab my partner's gun. So my partner pulled the gun back out and then stuck it basically in his face and shot him in the head. So now, of course, he what happened is this guy's face falls into his lap because he was on his back trying to get yep. up as well. Yep. And... We both stand up, and we're both looking at each other, like, "What the, what the fuck just happened?" Yeah. And I, I'm looking at the wall, I'm like, "Where did that hole come from? I don't remember that being here when we got here." That was your head. And yeah, and then I'm like, "What's that sound? Sounds like runny water." And it was the a little funnel of blood coming out of the, his forehead. And I remember my partner's like, "You think we should handcuff him?" because the training you <laughs> yeah, know yeah, you always training. train well and handcuff him anyway it's like sometimes yeah. common sense like you know in training it's like okay i think we could safely say we don't need to handcuff this guy but it's tr- your training kicks in so anyway uh yeah like, i think i think we're okay without handcuffing at <laughs> this point
3: yeah that's but yeah that, wow. yeah
2: so i mean that incident was um that obviously rocked my world. And after that, I I had always trained and tried to be strong and fit for the job. But that kind of changed me after that. It's like, okay, I need to be stronger than anybody out there. Yeah. So I straight, you know, I trained extra hard. Yeah. And of course, with maturity in the job, you're at some point, you're like, it, it doesn't matter, no matter how strong you are, there's always going to be someone stronger, you know, yeah. It's just it's just a matter of not giving up in a fight.
1: Well, that, that's what it is. Like, like I always say, you know, I train for that final fight. That's why yeah. I do my insane training and do what I do. is It's because one of these days, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When that happens, my training and, and my, my physical abilities and my agility is going to dictate whether I survive or not. Uh, for example, I'll give you the example. John Moynihan, uh, who got shot in the face. He's a range, he's a ranger, multiple deployments, uh, great great guy. Uh, Boston uh, street crimes uh, in the violent fugitive task force. Uh, he went to uh, after they went after a target. He got shot in the face. He he went down, but then in his mind, he's like, "Stop being a pussy. Get the fuck back up and get back in the fight." Right and. The guy was already dead anyways, because, you know, his partners, it was, it was a coordinated hit. His partners already neutralized the threat, but to him in his head, he's not done yet. He got up and his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, commander, uh, had the ambulance standing by and John told his commander, don't you fucking put me on a stretcher. I want right. to walk to the ambulance, right? Right, you know, yeah. but but that's the whole thing because he trains, he's physically fit, he's mentally strong. That's the thing I think people don't understand with those of us who actually put dedicated time into our workouts is because, you know, whether we're trying to hit a PR or we're trying to push hard that last mile, that mindset right there is what separates us.
0: Look, you can you can always do better,
1: yeah, right, and
0: it, it, we're both right. You're right, Stephanie's right there's always going to be something like in, in so I'll give you a quick story with me. One of my biggest moments of, oh shit, I need to do more, even though I was doing a lot, was I was a breacher at one point for, for a long time. And I was hitting a door that wasn't opening. Mm. And you know, <laughs> yeah, those three seconds yeah. are like, and, it, you're you're talking, Stephanie, you were talking about like those million thoughts that went through your brain in that half a second. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking there's, and we knew the guy had an automatic weapon inside. Everybody's dead. This guy's going to shoot through here. This yeah. guy's going to shoot through there. And then, you know, when I watched the video after, it was like, holy crap. I felt better because the back door, the back breacher was the <laughs> same exact way. It was barricaded the same way. Yeah. But again, it brought me to, you need to train harder. Yes. You need to this, you need to that. The guy that I handed... The Ram 2 yes. was 7 feet tall, 400 pounds, made of steel, and he had trouble with it, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it it you have to always do better. It's yeah. more your mindset. It's yeah. more like Stephanie didn't want to give up on the fight. Exactly. Like you said, and, didn't want to give up on it.
2: Yeah. You know what? I, I, I knew my partner was doing everything he could, too, so it's a matter of... Kind of that teamwork. It's like I I got to fight just as hard for myself as I as I do for him. Otherwise, right? We're, Ex- we're both
1: not. Exactly. That's the thing. Like my time in the military, going to war. That's what it was about. It was about not just training for myself, but also training for my fellow soldiers that are to my left and to my right. Because we're all in the same fight. You know, whether we're we're breaching, whether we're doing a raid or doing whatever we're doing, uh, we encountered you know uh, en- enemy resistance here and there and did what we had to do. But in the end, it was because for each other we did it it's not it's not you know something it, it's funny like people think it's this grand thing it, it's not it's very very simple it's it's for our partners and that's, that's it. exactly it that's all it's for
0: like Stephanie was fighting for herself, obviously. Yeah. But she had herself, she had her family, she had even the suspect, she had her partners. Everybody was in her mind. Yes. But she had air in her lungs and she continued to fight. Exactly. And exactly. that's we say that all the time. And I think one of the one of the popular guys, like Jocko or something, has said it, if you have air left in your lungs, oh, you if can you're can breathing. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. And, and that's, you know, like in the military schools, you, you know, they, they really push that capacity of your lungs to like, yeah, you're still breathing. You can right. do more. You know, that like, it's, it's one of those things where, where you, you, we, we get like bombarded with that stimulus where you think you're almost out of air, but you're not. You still so, got Stephanie, that a little bit. If,
0: if you don't mind, what happened? What was the aftermath of that shooting? Did it take you time to recover? Now, again, these are personal things. If you don't want to share them, just tell me to fuck off.
2: Um, I, f- I feel like I ha- I was in a bad relationship <laughs> at the time. So the funny thing is, I had to go see a shrink because it's yep. mandatory. Yep. So I go to the shrink and I'm like, Hey, I don't, re- I don't really have a problem with this. I mean, he kind of got what he deserved. I didn't attack him. He attacked me. And he lost I go but I am having a problem with you know and I start talking about a a relationship instead but then later um, I would catch myself replaying it in my head never changing anything but I had like a 45 minute drive to work every minute of that drive I would just replay it exactly how it happened and then on the way home exactly how it happened so yeah I'd say it affected me
0: Um, Now, did you, again, there's a lot of civilians that listen to our show too. It's not just police officers and military, right? There's a lot of civilians and we like to give them as much insight as possible, you know, with OPSEC obviously in mind. Did it change your perception on how to deal with the public? um, I know the answer for myself. I know the answer for Iman, but we want people to know that it's not just me and Iman that are cops. There's, we're talking to somebody on the West Coast right now.
2: Well, it's, I guess, and I don't know if I had, maybe I, I Had this mindset before, but just uh, assume that everybody has a plan to kill you kind of mindset.
1: Well, that's and, yeah, that's the famous line by uh, General Mattis, right? Yeah, you know, have a plan, <laughs> yeah, uh, be nice, but have a plan to kill everybody. Basically, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but he, he basically so, said, that. you know,
2: I would go to other quote unquote, you know, routine calls and I'd always think about that one and like, well, that went to shit really fast and I didn't expect it. He just That guy seemed like he was just kind of out of it and and high and, you know, not really a threat. And here you are getting ready, almost handcuffed, and then it just goes from zero to 60. So it just forever puts you in your head what could happen on the simplest of calls.
0: And that's that's one of the things that we like to introduce to the public. People yes. don't know what the officer Stephanie has gone through or the yeah. Peter or the Iman. Yeah. <clears throat> that showed up to your house. Yeah. That's you know, their spidey senses are up, their their ears are up, they're yeah. sniffing things there, because there's a
1: reason why we approach certain things a certain way or everybody a certain way. It's because you know what? Yeah, we have experience. We right. have, we've experienced certain things. That's why, like when when that Seattle uh, sergeant, I remember during the Antifa riots, uh, people were coming up to his cruiser. He was a. It looked like he was at a fixed post, and he had his you know sidearm out, right. just on oh, his lap. Oh God, I remember yeah, that. You remember that? And 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 people were, oh my God, he's got his gun out. Blah blah blah. You know what? Ninety nine point nine percent of cops do the same. thing. Would have done the same thing, thing right? because <laughs> if you just walk up to a cop, and he or she do not know you. There, the spidey tingles uh, senses will skyrocket because you know what? That's how we get ambushed. You know, that's how uh, we, we are very vulnerable in a cruiser. And People those are the million that.
0: things that are going through exactly. Stephanie's brain, Peter's brain, Iman's brain. That's that's what's going through our minds when exactly. we're and It's actually good that those things are going through. Mm-hmm. And that's of, how
2: I am in Portland now, off duty. You know, <laughs> when I drive I'm, on my way to another job, um, this city is so bad right now. I always have my, my sidearm ready to go <laughs> right? because wow. it's, it's just look at what's going across the nation. You know, the carjackings, I think in New York and yeah. well, everywhere else. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be a victim here.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, that's the mindset right there where, you know, we're not going to be victims. We're not going to be that stat right. on, on, you know, on the, on the, uh, on the website or whatever, but, but you know, so, so, you know, with 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 all your your history and, and, and also uh, also want to point out that also you're you're a cancer survivor and uh, which is an, another amazing uh attribute of yours wow. which, which is like man talk about a warrior right oh, god here, you know in our in our midst yeah you know uh, so you. so i mean with with all you've gone through with with nearly getting killed and 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 fighting through it and, and making sure that you you survive to fight another day and then and then you know leading up to now you know bre- you had uh, uh breast cancer was it bre- yes yeah breast, bre- cancer. Uh, breast cancer survivor and and Leading up to that, and and then where you are now. I mean, you've got quite the history. I mean, it's it's, it's amazing uh, the resilience that you have uh, with everything that you've gone through, and and still uh, being who you are as as an individual, as a as a as a as a, uh, as a police officer, um, kind of keeping that, that flag going, keeping that banner going, you know, where, where your moral compass and your, your morals and and your, your honor, your integrity really showed when you wrote that letter to the city council and the uh, police chiefs. So, so now we're, we're sort of going to fast forward now to leading up to when you left Portland. Um,
0: Well, can we, can we ask why she wrote the letter?
1: Well, well, we're, we're going to get
0: to that. Tell me good. to shut up. Slow your roll. My God, man. <laughs> quit. Come on, man.
1: <laughs> So, so what, what, what we're going to do is, is, you know, we, we all know the riots. And, and, and uh, if you can talk about, uh, uh, you know, during your time when the riots really got bad, uh, what you've witnessed, what you've seen. And, and leading up to uh, you leaving, and then the whole letter coming to you. Uh, so so let's start with kind of when the riots were getting going.
2: Okay, so yeah, it's hard because it's just there's so many things I think about, but. When the riots started going and and I started, I fortunately didn't have to be on the front lines because of my seniority, I'm day shift. Most of the riots were at night. There were a couple of times where my weekends might have been canceled, but, you know, I was on the day shift part of it so must be nice i
0: was saying must be nice no
1: just... uh, a pizza midnight shifter or he likes <laughs> no, it, to call, it only he, took
2: 24 years yeah. to get yeah. that
1: he, he, he likes to call himself a night walker i
0: am a night walker don't take that the wrong uh, way keep going
2: Okay, no, no <laughs> yeah so um yeah i mean but i would see the aftermath you know i'd see all the videos that everyone else would see and i would talk to the people that were out there but i was thinking of. One in particular, working out of East Precinct, um, we had, we got, they got assaulted one night, basically, that the precinct did. And I remember that there were two women there. They were like older women standing in front of the precinct holding, they might have been holding BLM signs. I kind of call them victims too sometimes because they are victims of media. You know, they, they, it's like, You don't understand BLM is a corporation. They have done nothing to help the black community. The only people they have helped are people like the founders who walked away with what, four houses. Right. And then left. So anyway, um, the precinct got attacked and they were trying to set it on fire. I think they broke through the front doors. They were setting a garbage can on fire. And there was an officer on the roof who had access to a hose so he asked command the command post hey i got a hose i can just lean over and put the fire out and i heard that he was told no we don't want to incite them by you being visible in uniform you what cite them so they he this particular commander captain whatever the fuck he was it was like We don't want to incite the people attacking our precinct, so don't show them that you're in uniform trying to put their fire out. Like, are you? Hold on a second. Was that
0: was that made public?
2: I doubt it. Well, we are now. (laughs) Wow. Oh my God. Well, let me back up a little bit. So the command. So we have three three precincts now. There's the one, the main one downtown. That's right next to the federal courthouse. It's and they're always getting attacked. The main precinct is also the jail, and so you got Multnomah County deputies that work there as well. And it's occupied all the time because there's there are inmates there and employees. So um, I guess one night, or I don't. Multiple nights, you know, there were a hundred nights plus of riots. The command post is typically in that precinct because it's right downtown. They're on the fifteenth floor. They have an eagle eye view of everything. Well, they decided it wasn't safe, so they moved to the training division, which is what twelve miles away. Like, oh, what well, do you think that? for the morale for the people down there yeah screw you guys we'll go ahead and lead from behind out here at the training division and tell you what to, what you can do to protect yourself which is basically nothing so it's hard for me to, to to see and hear my fellow officers getting attacked with literally getting attacked with human waste feces and urine bombs and uh, steel ball bearings shot at them and and, and fireworks and frozen cans of whatever all that stuff and now you're supposed to listen to someone from 12 miles away um who might be watching it on live stream i'm not sure because we weren't even allowed to live stream stuff at some point but they're they're telling you what you can do to be safe and what you can do to protect other people. It doesn't make sense to me. I just, wow. it actually makes me pretty you, angry.
1: You, you know what that reminds me of actually from, from a military standpoint is me being out on the front lines, right? Doing, doing the convoys, the fight, all that good shit. And the command staff sitting in the talk, uh, which is the tactical operations center, which is in inside cake. the base. Eating cake, eating cake and fucking drinking their coffee and listening to the radios and, you know, guys getting into the shit and whatever. Uh, Meanwhile, they get these massive awards for doing what they did. And us lowly fucking soldiers who are out there doing the fight are given a fourth place ribbon saying thank you for coming and have a nice day.
0: Yeah, that's what also, it reminds me of. You've also you know? gotten PTSD and yeah. dead friends and all that.
1: Well, well, yeah, but but again, it, that's what that reminds me of. That reminds me. I mean, it's so pathetic that as a it command is. staff individual, yeah. uh, as command staff, if you're not in the fucking front lines to watch what your officers are going through, then you're a fucking coward. Yeah, you're an absolute fucking. And I'm, I'm calling them out right now. You're a fucking coward.
2: Yeah. I, I totally agree. I don't remember what movie it was where some military movie where they put the base at like the bottom of a canyon or something. And it was basically command making that decision. So now you guys you got have these guys are like, this is not a good spot to be in. It's tactically <laughs> well, not yeah. good. You never but they have to be, the be there because they're following orders because some right. dipshit in command told them that's where they needed to be. This whole,
0: That's- I mean, this, it blows my mind. You telling me that story too, about, you know, the guy literally had a hose and he could put out yeah. a fire where you don't know how many people could have died. Yeah. And they told him no.
1: Yeah. So, so I have a close friend of mine. He's um, a sheriff out, a deputy sheriff. Uh, he's a homicide investigator out in, uh, in Washington state. Yep. And he was in the, their East precinct that got freaking pretty much IED'd Um, you know, when, when that whole shit went down, but I'll never forget one day when I was checking on him, I'm like, Hey dude, you good? And, and he was like, Hey, I'm inside my, our little office in the East precinct. They're not part of Seattle PD, but they had an office because they're a homicide unit at, at the East precinct. And he's like, Hey, I'm in my office and we've got M4s at the doors and Antifa is right outside the door. Uh, trying to break in, and, and basically what they're going to do is as soon as they breach, they're going to fucking do what they got to do. But they ended up leaving, uh, abandoning the office, and when they came back, a lot of their active homicide cases were burned, a lot of their evidence was destroyed. Oh now, you want to talk about the amount of victims and families that now will never get their cases solved because of these assholes that just yep. destroyed... And, and that's the thing to me, like, militarily, like, for me... You never take over a fucking command, right? We've had bases overrun, over an, well, near, nearly, no, I shouldn't say overrun, nearly overrun in Afghanistan, and we fought the fuckers off and decimated them. And that's the thing is when, when the minute you breach that police department, that precinct in a very violent insurgency, you're bought and paid for. For yeah. me, not in today- No, not not in today's society. No, well, well not in today's society. <laughs> but but here's the thing: uh, if you are truly uh, a protector of society, a protector of your community, a protector of your uh, family, and all that, and and it's your fucking house, they're coming in. To their their aim is to inflict as much harm as they can upon you. You have to do what you have to do the officer there who wanted to put the fire out and the command staff telling them that, Oh no, you don't want to incite them. That's cowardly. Mm-hmm. They're burning your fucking precinct down and they're, they're violating, uh, they're basically assaulting what that is of the criminal justice system. And, and as whatever, as flawed as it is and what, whatever it is, what it is. But the thing is though, you as a, as, a, as a police officer and as a as, as a uh, uh, protector of that society, once uh, Antifa or whoever end up breaching that door and going to start burning shit, and if, if you were found, most likely they will kill you, mm-hmm. you have to protect your own.
0: I agree with you, but let me give you the devil's advocate. You know mm-hmm. I like to play the devil's advocate yeah, and yep, call yep. the elephants in the room, and, and Stephanie, tell me what you think too. The way that I've been on 20 years, I've seen a massive shift in policing on the East Coast, 180 degrees as to where it used to be and what it is now, right? A politicians used to back us up. Use of force tended to be 99.9, I'm not saying all, but 99.9% good, Yeah. right? Because the way society has shifted, 50 to 75% of the officers that are out there right now are thinking to themselves when they're seeing somebody at the door, And they're saying, oh, shit, they're about to take over the police station. They're going to say, I know what's right. I'm not going to jail. Because no matter what I do that's right, I'm going to get crucified for it. So, in a way, I'm not saying that what they did was right. But in a way, I could see the fear in a lot of these officers' minds where they would say, I'm not going to deal with that shit. I'm not going to jail. Because if people do come through the door and they raise their fists to kill us and we shoot them, Guess who's going to be at my parent, my, my, uh, my kid's front door tomorrow. That's the elephant in the room that I'm trying to say. Oh yeah. 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 No, I I got you. That's not my mindset. Mine is fuck you. Hold your ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: But it's definitely happening. You know, people aren't taking action or they're waiting too long to take action because they're thinking about the fact that they're not going to be supported.
0: Well, how many times have you seen in like traffic stops and stuff like that, where you see in videos, I'm talking about body cameras, you're like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? And you know that there's that hesitation. That hesitation has a snowball effect throughout everything in your career.
3: Yep.
1: Oh, yeah. No, 100%. But, but again, the, the 20%, uh, that 80-20 split that I always talk about, the 20% cop that is the hybrid wolf that, that is actually doing the job will never find themselves in that position because you know what, we, 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 are, we, we are tactically more proficient, we are tactically more aware, we won't find our, ourselves in that position. That 20% who never take promotion exams, because we're not interested in fucking making deputy chief, chief, whatever, because we love being on the ground, there's more of us than there got, are of them.
0: I gotta tell you, I like to think the exact same way that you do, but I know that I'm fallible. I know that I can fuck up.
1: No, we can all fuck up. We all fuck up. Here's, here's the thing: if 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 you there's a there's a great quote um, uh, by uh, one of great Stoics who said uh, must be Greek. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to even say Greek, all right? Because Just here's the thing: you're going to get into your tangent about Greeks and Thermopylae and Spartans and all that. You got a problem with Greeks, bro? By the way, Leonidas is his uh, grandfather, great grandfather, great
0: grandfather. Yeah.
1: Do. So go on. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can't you tell? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> no, but but it's something. It's <laughs> Hold something. on apps Yeah, it's something. Hold on. Yeah, it's it's something. It's something along the lines of uh, if you haven't done anything, then you have not offended anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it goes along those lines where if if you're lazy yes. and don't work and don't do the job, then you you don't you never have to worry about making a mistake. Yes. But if you're active, if you're aggressive, if you're out there doing the job, here's the thing. 90 actually 100% of any mistake I've ever made was all on good intention. Right. And it's just like it and it's a minor mistake not like a major fucking use of force fuck up type right. of thing, but it's like, you know, these minor little things here and there, yeah, okay, they they set me back a little, but I'm like fuck it, you know, you got to push on and keep going. Whatever, you know, and 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 <laughs> one of our detectives put it awesome. He said, a, um, a detective who never works cases doesn't have to worry about evidence that they lose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I cracked up. I actually put that on the whiteboard as the quote of the 2020. <laughs> but, uh, but, but here's the thing. You, you still got, you're still, you know, we, we swore an oath. Right? We swore an oath to the US Constitution and to the citizens of the United States and, and, and to protect and serve, right? I still believe in that oath. We all do. You have us, to. Us three sitting here uh, are those hybrid wolves that that take that oath to heart. Majority cops don't. That's the thing. You know that. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. That, that, that's another elephant in the room. Yeah. You know that. Some of them take that oath and they bullshit their way through the oath because they want to work overtime and work details. It's, it's a and, paycheck. Whatever. and it's a paycheck. Whatever. Right. You know what? Fuck those cops.
0: I know. I, I, I agree with you. But at the same time, you can't fuck those cops because you can't say fuck those cops. Because look at where we are now. Where when you call for another car, chances are 75% of the people that are going to come to back you up are those cops.
1: But you know what? What, what is your first thought when you hear the, that unit call off to in the backyard? No, don't. Yeah, exactly. Because you know now you, you, right. you've you got twice the work right. in front of you. Right. But, but that's the thing. Right. That's the stress we don't need. We don't need stress of the command staff telling us, no, don't put the fire out because you might incite the rioters, even though it's, it's already way too late. They're already fucking in the building, you know, uh, or, 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 you know, uh, back this guy up. And they are like, dude, <laughs> sit back. Just watch my back. Let me deal with this. It, it, thing is, though, it's it's the 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 aggressive cops, the uh, the hybrid wolves, are the ones that need to now step forward.
2: And sometimes it's better to, how they say, just just do it and ask for forgiveness later. You know, well, uh, I right. would have asked. I would have I would have leaned over and just sprayed them with the hose. You know, <laughs> yeah, every exactly. time you ask for permission, it, it's like they it, they have to have a. Uh, what are you, a committee or something. Right. Oh, let's discuss this. Like, okay, time's passed already. Kind of lost. The yeah. Well, we're well, all
1: dead. Again. Again. No.
2: <laughs> again. <Yeah>. Again.
1: <laughs> you know th- that whole thing with the right. You know, it's a fluid, fluid situation. Just like with any SWAT operations it's a fluid position. It's a fluid uh, mission. And you know when when you make an entry. Whether you go left and right, you have to make that decision right away. You can't wait for the SWAT commander to say, hey, Pete, you go right. I mean, right. you go left. You got to make that decision yourself and you got to go with, with riots and with, you know, some really major uh, events. You as the individual officer needs to make that decision, good or bad, it needs to happen. Nine times out of ten, it's a good decision.
2: That- and, you know, there have been times where I feel like, well, when I was with PPB anyway, you're protecting... Antifa, you're protecting the people they want you to protect, or the city. The city does, but say um, Andy. No, he's a journalist out this way, and he's a conservative journalist. He's Asian, openly gay. Everything that the left you think supports, however, except that he's conservative. Just that part. So he would go down now and again to you know when Antifa was down there, and they would surround him and assault him. And basically, I think he was told, well, you shouldn't have been down here. (laughs) He has every right to be down there and we should protect him as much as we would protect the other side. If if anything, he's
0: exercising his constitutional rights, right? Freedom of the press.
2: It's like with Rittenhouse. I hear a lot of people say, oh, he shouldn't have been there. Why? He has every right to be there. He, He didn't do anything wrong. Those guys were doing something wrong. So why are we vilifying the the good guys here?
1: Well, that's that's the new norm. You know it's why, vilifying. Stephanie? Because it sells. Yeah, that's, that's why. That's what sells. So uh, I know we got off on a wicked tangent, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so let's let's kind of circle back and now talk about uh, the letter. So so you you ended up leaving Portland um, after what? Uh, now the 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 kind of straw that that broke the animals back for you to leave was uh, what was the exact i remember you I, I, I mean i got a bunch of emails from you and everything but uh-huh. what was kind of like the final straw in, in your in your for you?
2: it was for me the, the final straw was the closure of the precinct gyms to to the officers so the governor and that's part of another reason that we're always screwed out here is that we have a governor who doesn't know what she's doing <laughs> um she passed mandates and you know the gyms were closed out in public and this and that but the mandates did not apply to our city buildings so we didn't have to close our gyms but they got closed anyway for virtue signaling basically so why why would you why would you do that you're sending your officers out to battle every night to save the city and protect the citizens and you don't think it's important that they have some kind of outlet? They need the gym. I don't have a personal gym at home. Right. There's public all the public gyms were closed. So they closed the gym the first time that was supposed to be what two weeks and it ended up being three months or something. And then they eventually open it and I, I kind of suffered through that time of not having, I'm not good with self-motivating body workouts, you know, the body weight workouts. I need a gym. I need the social aspect of it. I need to pump iron. I need to feel strong. And so then they finally open it back up and then come November, they announced that they're going to close them again. So, I sent an email to a sergeant and I might have accidentally hit reply and it might have accidentally went to the entire bureau. Love it. Whoops. Uh, so, basically saying, hey, um, this is a mistake. We, we need this. So, they closed it. And what really pissed me off is that when I come to work, they crime scene taped off the, the the opening to the gym. They used crime scene tape, you know, the same kind of tape that would have been used, you know, for that incident I was discussing with you earlier. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? So I, I tore the crime scene tape down, went in. Um, very shortly after that, a couple of sergeants came up. One looked like he did not want to be there at all. Um, he was obviously a witness sergeant. And then there was the other one. I was told the gym is closed. I need to leave. I said, no, I'm working out. There there was a, a pause. <laughs> and then there was, a, I'm giving you a direct order. And I said, or what? And I'm like, oh, that sounded kind of antagonistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I go, look, I don't mean to sound disrespectful by saying it that way, but what are we doing here? And it, it didn't matter. So he, he already had his marching orders, I'm sure, from command. And uh, yeah, so I got kicked out of my own gym where I was working out by myself with a mask on. The thing is, in that same precinct, we have a community room, you know, where you do the meetings, got your tables and stuff. Well, they moved equipment to the community room. So there were like four cardio equipment machines some mats, some free weights, so you could work out in the community room because it wasn't called a gym. I'm like seriously, are you serious? Is this for real? So I'm yeah, telling for you, for real. It's,
0: it's, it's
3: <laughs> so bizarre. how does that
2: work? So you can circumvent, you know, the governor's order and the city's policy. But when I do it, I, I just I just went out in the open and did it. But the other thing I pointed out was they were also told anybody inside the city buildings, even if you're in your office by yourself with the door closed and nobody can see you, you still have to wear your mask. I'm like, oh, come on now. That's just, that's just childish. That's somebody that's like, it's not fair that I have to wear a mask and this person doesn't. Well, life's not fair. So what happened is offices started getting papered up and blinds were drawn. It's like, including our sergeant's office. And I'm like, gee, I wonder what's going on behind those closed doors. So you go in that office and you see your commander there talking with three sergeants and no one's wearing a mask. It's like, so how do you punish me and give me a day off with no pay? That's a chunk of change, but I'll, I'll right. take it. Um, but when you're doing that, and I don't care if you wear a mask. I simply don't. My point is, Which rules are, you know, it's the whole rules for thee and not for me kind of attitude. Right, Right. So when I went to internal affairs, I basically said, I just want to know which rules can I break and which ones I can't, because apparently it's okay to break this one, but it's not okay to break this one. Uh, I
1: actually, I I have her, her transcript from IA. Can we say, can we, can we read it? And it's amazing where, hang on, let me, let me find the exact uh, spot where you said that. I'm excited. (laughs) but uh, i was
2: i wanted to go to ia because i i wanted to talk about that i'm like this is getting ridiculous but it didn't matter it fell on deaf ears and
1: no it did and it you know your whole transcript i mean it's just amazing some of the things you you put out i mean you've had you had a lot to say and the only thing they would do is oh okay yes no can you send me that? Can you send me this? Like, mm-hmm. they didn't really uh, have anything to say to you. Again, to me, it's like they're they were, trying. They're they were just appeasing her. Not just, no, appeasing the command.
2: No, they well, were just, just shutting her up is so what I'm saying. Technically, technically, I was insubordinate. I violated a direct order. So the IA, uh, the investigator, I didn't have a problem with him. He, he wrote it up and did whatever, but the people that make the decision afterwards the chiefs the commanders or whatever that's their issue they had the transcripts they could have read the transcripts and been like this this doesn't make any sense <laughs> you know but they but they didn't they they just protect their own basically
1: there's one there's one i i, I wanted to to a couple uh, i mean the transcripts amazing and, and there's something i wanted to kind of bring up on, on stuff that you worked on or we're working on to uh, kind of send nationwide uh video uh, regarding like Portland officers and and to show the the better side of police versus what Antifa's pointing out. So I mean, essentially, what you're doing in military sense, right? It's psyops, right? So the enemy had their own psyops; they sent it out they would have all these news agencies put out this bullshit information. But you, what you wanted to put out was the truth, the real information, what officers are, are dealing with in Portland. You know, you, you made this video uh, to get out there nationwide. Um, and, and it, it was like, you know, just, just kind of reading through it. It, it didn't really, it, it was like, Oh, can you send that to me? And, and then that's where it went. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't, it didn't go that far. So it, to it me, got it,
0: censored in a way, it,
1: it got, it, it, in a way. Right. So to me, it, you were trying to really put a good uh, spin on policing for the mm-hmm. rest of the nation. Not, not what the media show and not what this, not what that, you, you know, you, you wanted to do the right thing for your fellow law enforcement officers across the country, not just Portland. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing that, that I kind of, uh saw you know one of the one of the statements you made was an officer who committed suicide hanging himself in a garage and the command staff never went to his funeral
2: what yeah
1: exactly right and it, it, it it it's amazing to me where you have an officer who's struggling right clearly struggling and you decide
2: you know, he, he he
1: decided to 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 eventually you know end his life, uh, you know, for 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 his uh, his own personal reasons, and and not one command staff went to this guy's you know to to this hero's funeral.
2: Yeah, I mean, and amazing. it was it was immediately noticed by all of us there.
0: But here's the thing. And like,
1: so let me let me get this straight. You you called it out.
0: Is that is that yeah what yeah doing?
1: basically uh, right in the transcript. She called it out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and they didn't acknowledge it.
2: I also called it out by sending an email out to the bureau to when it, when it happened to basically thank those people that did show up, which in that email, it was pretty obvious by me naming who did did show up, it was pretty obvious who didn't show up. I was later called into the office by the commander at that time for uh, – he wanted to explain why he wasn't there or something. I, I go – I'm just an officer. I'm not sure why you're explaining it to me. That's,
1: that's amazing. Right. When, when, when. But really,
2: yeah, you should have sent, somebody should have sent a representative. It was just.
1: So, you know, there's a, there's a very interesting thing in, in interrogations that, that, you know, in different classes I've learned and everything. And when there's uh, convincing and there's explaining. Right. Someone's trying to convince you. Yes. On why they did what they did. They're they're usually lying. They're usually full of shit. Right versus exactly. so so i think what you had was more this commander was trying to convince you yeah
0: why are you explaining it
1: to me you know like you're like all right i'm just a lowly patrolman right patrolman. Oh, why am i i'll tell you why they feared her oh no they well that's the thing they they fear the loudest voice in the room and and the one who has the credentials to back it yeah right. or the balls to speak up exactly and, and here's the thing, like, like I've, been, I've been known in the past to also do the department-wide accidental reply all uh, in the past. I don't check <laughs> and, my uh, emails. And, so uh, and, and, and it does get noticed and I get called to the carpet at times here and there, uh, especially in my previous uh, job where I was very uh, vocal about the, uh, the missteps that, that would occur. But, but anyways, it, it, it shows me that, that you, again, truly, 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 cared for every officer in the nation not just portland of what we were going through during the during the riots during the uh, the uprisings and all that across the country and and it's just again it was like as if they were trying to censor you or they were trying to like again to me they were building a case to show your insubordination
2: yeah, it's uh, the divide and conquer kind of attitude. Yeah. It's, they want to make an example of me that so so nobody else will speak up. So I, I, I know that somebody, well, I know that the commander at that time apparently went into briefings when I was off to talk about that officer who put the rest of us in a bad position and was going to destroy the wellness program, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you don't need to protect me. Everybody knows it was me that did that. right? And I stand by what I did because my health is important and the health of all my fellow officers is important. And being on the street, you you can see it. You can see what's going on and you hear what's going on. And command is just so out of touch. So they, they had a wellness program and I think it's great. This program could have been good or, you know, talking about you get an hour to work out or whatever, on duty on your monday or friday i would would love to have another workout yeah other programs and stuff but the problem is you know what i had mentioned was we need more than yoga and meditation (laughs) at this point when when you close the gyms you kind of nullified all of your good work with that wellness program because now you're acknowledging that it's just not that important to you by closing the gyms That wasn't important to you and you didn't recognize that we needed that
1: yeah and it's unreal so so that was kind of like the final straw that that got you to leave uh portland and now yeah uh, and now uh, now when you got that letter when you got that letter uh um i'm like myself well let me
2: back up real quick because part of the final straw was when i left um i got called by a sergeant that said i was getting assigned to personnel the telephone report writing unit which i assumed i was going to you know i was going to take it in the shorts and i was going to actually who cares i'll stay in the office and take phone calls <laughs> rather than go out and have you not support me out there anyway however i was told that i was going to be uh, because <laughs> because i'm so smart that i'm going to be a part of the special project i'm like dude <laughs> And I like him okay, but come on, I've been doing this for 26 years. <laughs> Flattery right before I'm getting punished for something? Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, with a little bit of tone, you know, what's your special project? And the special project was working on use of force policy with the inspector general. And I'm thinking, oh, that sounds like a setup.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I ended up talking to somebody who was familiar with the program. It was, reading all the use of force reports from the riots looking for errors writing your own report and then giving it to the inspector general like are you fucking kidding me right now after i try to stand up for officers now you want to assign me to this and you think that i'm gonna i'm gonna stab them in the back absolutely not so any
0: work you did to show right. officers that you had their backs, they were gonna try and force you to take it back, basically.
2: Yeah. And that that was the final straw for me. I'm wow. like, okay, I'm not gonna get any support and they're gonna do whatever they can to silence me. That's dirty.
3: Yeah. I no, need to look for a job. Yeah. So
2: I ended up resigning, not retiring. Yeah, resign, I resigned oh yeah. uh, a few let's see may a few months i officially resigned a few months before i could retire okay. and and then i started immediately with a different agency okay wow
1: uh so so during your uh, your your time uh when you resigned and then your your new agency when did that letter come to you about that rehire program whatever the hell that whatever the hell the, that that they called it in portland
2: Uh, The yeah, the retire rehire program. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember a buddy of mine sent me a a picture of the the letters and the the info on it. And then he also sent a small video clip of him putting it through the shredder. (laughs) 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 so (laughs) I'm like, well, there's surely they're not going to send that to me because they know if they did that I would respond. There's no way they'll ever send that.
1: And you got it
2: i got it my my husband (laughs) says did you check the mail like nope so he goes and checks the mail and comes back with this i'm like you have got to be kidding me look what i got look what I. (laughs) clearly it was just a uh a blanket like hr just mailed everybody and so i'm like well i was mad when i saw it but i didn't respond but now that i got it personally i'll respond yes because it was so disgusting i'm like the, the disqualifiers, you know, that little PAMP or the little sheet that said what would disqualify you, including if you will be disqualified from the program if it was ever found that you cooperated with federal agents to attack the city or the the residents of Portland. Yeah,
1: a Portland residents Like, what, what yes. the hell does that yeah. like? <laughs> uh, a, like, really?
2: Yeah. Or if you had a sustained use of force within the last 10 years, I'm like, Oh, that's not really hard in the city. Well, yeah, but the, it I was mean, the attacking the residents that pissed me off the most.
1: Well, here's the thing though. Like it, it it's crazy uh, to me, <laughs> probably it, well in your experience and probably, you know, most in our experiences, right. These rioters are not from Portland. No, they're not from Boston. No. They're not from Providence. They just get funneled in or they get paid. They get
0: busted. We saw people getting paid we, yeah, for crying out loud. Yeah, To get <laughs> yeah, paid yeah. to go
1: break or burn a freaking building. So they're not Portland residents. And if they are oh. Portland residents, then you know what? It's your fault. <laughs> You're now a criminal.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm assuming, like you said on your, your show before, that whoever wrote that is, is HR. Yes. You know, they're, they're writing that. But the problem is, so these same people that wrote that are probably the same people that are currently, um, oh, What's the word I'm looking for? Not
0: Decision monitoring. makers?
2: So we had the Gun Violence Task Force. They were great, super great team, great officers. They did really good work um, dealing with gun violence. Well, they got disbanded because apparently they're all racist. Well, then our our homicide rate skyrocketed. It's like record-setting numbers or something. We're, we're number one in something. We're number one in homicide <laughs> That's increases. Nuts. So the, it, it, this new team is called FIT, Focused Intervention Team or something. And ooh, that that sounds
1: a, like a hug yeah. and kiss. Time. Yeah,
2: that, Yeah, I don't even know what that means, but I think the slogan is – compassion and empathy for all i I don't know yeah (laughs) so there is a citizen group that is monitoring them or like is over oversight group or something that citizen oversight group is probably the same type of people that are responsible for that wrote that yeah, the attacking the residents of Portland. So would I ever work for something like that? Absolutely not.
1: No. I, well, that's the thing. Absolutely not. And and you know, just the 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 the, the recruitment. In, uh, you talk about like really pushing your officers away that left the job. Right. I mean, I mean, it, you know, again, my buddy in Washington State, his his unit, his homicide unit. Um, he him he's he's got a lot of seniority in his in his uh, respective uh, sheriff's department, and he has a lot of seniority and and his commander went up to him asking him what shift does he need to work in case he goes back to patrol now to him he's been working homicide for decades and it's like and he's gone after serial killers i mean he's a very very knowledgeable homicide detective and i i reach out to him from time to time depending on investigations i'm working on because he has a wealth of knowledge and i'm like god damn they're gonna do they're gonna take somebody like you who's worked high profile homicides and put you right back in patrol because why? Oh, city council cut the homicide budget oh down. My God. And now they're losing, the, they, if they have not already lost half the unit. Meanwhile, homicides, their investigations went from 10 a year to 30 a year. Wow. So it's like, what the fuck? like it's 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 again yeah. it's, it's it's that death by a thousand cuts that we talk about yep. where yeah. by the the way they are dividing and 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 slicing through uh law enforcement they want us to be weaker they want us
2: yeah well all the special units they've gotten rid of over the past we used to have a graffiti task force they did great work city was clean we had an auto theft task force They did great work. And when they got rid of them, the the stolen cars just skyrocketed (laughs) and they just keep getting rid of things. And then they'll they'll see how shitty it is. And then they'll reinvent it like it's something new. Like, hey, you know, Mayor uh, Wheeler came up with this program. No, that program existed before you got rid of it. And then you had to come up with something. You just renamed it. Now, you you mentioned
1: something to me about about your uh, beloved mayor. Who, uh, who uh, you told me he comes from timber or, or like he, I comes, believe
2: so. Yeah, yeah some wealthy yeah.
1: family or something that has yep. nothing that has no, he knows,
0: though. He knows, yeah, yeah he knows how to do he things. He knows,
1: and and yeah. and and wow, oh my god, it's 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 just unreal, you know, what what you had to go through and what your fellow officers have to go continuously go through.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and it's like it. it Is the command staff ever going to get it?
2: Uh, I, and that's why I don't, I know they'll always say, oh, well, federal law, you know, federal judges ruled this, that we can't do this and that, and all these excuses. But at some point I was just following orders. Is it really acceptable? I don't think it worked in Nuremberg. (laughs) And I know that officers don't have that. I was just following. If I hurt somebody or use force on somebody and say, I was just following orders, You know, I don't get to use that as an excuse.
0: One of the, I I say it, we're we're in an argument right now in, in our state, in Massachusetts, about the vax mandates for officers, right? Regardless of your vax position or anything like that, I've always held my ground and said that it's none of anybody's business, whether I'm vaxed or not, right? Now, Massachusetts, the facts are, have been doing tremendously well with the COVID numbers, whatever... Those numbers may be. They're doing tremendously much better. Okay, mm-hmm. our newly elected mayor, or one of the newly elected mayors in the, in the major part of the, <laughs> I'm trying to be a little opaque here. Uh, one of the newly elected mayors decided just for shits and giggles because she knows better to make it a mandate after our unions had negotiated either vax or test. We weren't negotiating that. We were totally fine with that. She decided she was a brand new mayor. She decided to rip it up and throw it out. And now Massachusetts or some parts of Massachusetts have just come up with the, every restaurant needs to ask you for your vaccine card and all that jazz. me your papers. yeah. Papers, please. Papers, please. <laughs> but this came out, this new directive came out last week. And now I've been saying to people, how are you going to go enforce this? It's not a police action. No, it's not criminal. I don't. No. I don't know how it is in other states, but in Massachusetts, it's not criminal. It's a civil thing. Inspectional services basically has jurisdiction. But now cops are getting called over. The point is, yeah, this whole just following orders shit. Look at where it's gotten us. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, that's the thing. Like just following orders, right? So the command staff in Portland, when they told that officer to stand down from from basically that, pulling out what a I mean. fire, uh, I was just following orders. Now, now let's say. Uh, hypothetically, uh, during that fire, one of the Antifa scumbags get burned alive. Now, is that officer going to get, uh, railroaded as yes. a result? Oh, uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. They're going to crucify oh, him. Oh, probably. They're going to, they're going to make those transcripts disappear where they told him not to do anything.
0: No, not only that, they're going to say, you had discretion. You were on scene. You could have done it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: This is where yeah. people don't understand is that people like, I shouldn't say Stephanie, people like me. I'm sorry, I've been saying it. My workload every night has been getting easier and easier and easier. I've told my guys, I will back you up. Anything to do with kids, I will fly to. But everything else,
1: sorry. But, but that's the thing, like, again, difference between patrol and the specialty units. Like my unit, we're, right. we're, we're, we've increased a hundredfold. Yeah, but why does that have to fall onto you? But, but, but the thing is, though, as, as the hybrid wolf that I am, I'm still going to go out there to do the job. I'm going to do what I can. Right. Because I see the victims. I see the, uh, you know, I, I go through the case with them through the months and years of, of work in this case and tirelessly work in the case where I just will not stop because, right. you know, when, when, when I have a six year old sexual assault victim who this asshole fricking decides sexual assault, the six year old and, and, my job for the next two and a half years is to make sure this guy never sees the light of day trust me i had other plans that's different police but, work but but that's the thing but again that's the thing that's the, the there's different levels of police work uh you know violent fugitive task force they will still right. go out there and do their thing narcotics unit will still go what out I'm, there and what do i'm trying
0: thing. to say i is why have we gotten to a point where officers are a questioning themselves on their direct actions from the smallest things to the biggest, the traffic stops to the whatever. Why are officers like Stephanie getting uprooted? Her entire life is getting uprooted. She has to go look for another job or she had to go look for another job. She has to call out command staff for not going to a funeral. Why are we
1: here? Because, as I I always say, because it's our own fault.
0: It is our own fault.
1: Our own fault. Like, we got to look internal, right? In, In our uh police uh culture our police environment we have to look internal for not
0: standing up for like stephanie did. Up,
1: like Steph, exactly like stephanie like kp like kp
0: like the, uh, who was the officer um, in new york, that, in we new had york
1: that we had on uh sorry i, I forget. Uh, yeah i can't <laughs> I forget his name already savage <laughs> but uh but we've had numerous officers who reached out whatever all right just because i'm drinking doesn't mean so. i can't make it Articulate.
2: Good Lord. Are three.
1: <laughs> Listen, welcome to Bostonian cops, all right? This is, this is the way we, uh, we roll, all right? Uh, but, uh, but, but here's the thing. It's incumbent on us as boots on the ground. There is more of us on the ground than there are those who sit in the fourth, fifth, 15th floor of mm-hmm. any police department, right? Who write these policies, who do not realize the ramifications of said policies when they come down to the lowest patrol uh patrol officer
2: they... I, you know I, I think for me too is part of speaking out is a, a lot of times i try to, i'm not trying to make it personal like oh i'm mad because i got a day off because i couldn't work out you know it's 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 not about that no it's no about... it, was, it was it
1: was a bunch of things that compounded
2: you yeah know, and it's that. about hoping that other people start realizing look there are power in numbers and we need to stick together, you know, I, and hoping that people just start speaking up. So a lot of people, I don't want to be one of those people that just kind of bitches and complains. And then I won't put my name to anything. And I won't, right. you know, but here's say the thing.
1: It. Exactly. That's the thing. Like me growing up, right. I dealt with racist officers here and there when I was growing up as a, as a kid and stuff like that. But, but you know what, did I blame the white man for all my issues? Did I blame, uh, you know, the, the system itself for my issues?
2: I no, blame men all the time. <laughs> that's another story.
1: <laughs> we are assholes. It is
0: our fault. I know. <laughs> I've conceded. It's everything's our fault. I get it.
1: But, but here's the thing. Like, in the end, I decided time to do something about it. When, when 9-11 happened, because I come from a, a Middle Eastern background, when 9-11 happened, I decided, you know what? Fuck it. Let's let me join the fight because the fight's good.
0: You took action.
1: I took action. There are very few, very very few in the population of America that are willing to take action. Here's the thing. Here's here's statistics, real statistics. In the military, right? There are there is about what three hundred twenty-seven million Americans. Uh, three sixty, but okay. Three sixty. Less than one percent serve in our armed forces. Yep. Now, policing less than 1% are in policing. Yep. It's because they're not willing to put themselves out there. Yeah. That's all it is. We're the ones who are willing to put ourselves out there for the greater good.
0: We need to remember our oaths. Yeah. Right. Like imagine I say it as a joke. Sometimes when I say it to my friends and and I'll say it to you too. I feel I'm European. I feel like we're living in late 1930s uh, Europe well
1: uh, now and people need to stand the fuck up before we get into 1930s europe that's a little uh it it's uh not there yet we're getting there dude
2: but when when... yeah you know this whole mass thing you know i was talking to yeah kind of talking about or thinking about okay where's where's my line on this right you know when people call in You know, in a restaurant, these people aren't wearing a mask like I'm like, I'm not arresting for trespass on that either, because the whole reason for the trespass is because they're not wearing a mask. It's it's exactly for me it's like that's that's my line on it oh that. no I yeah no uh,
1: i mean i mean here's the thing i agree like mass mandates and all that bullshit type of stuff yeah that that's a little excessive and that's an overreach of government uh in in my opinion and and when uh I, when that started when that whole shit started our chief put a directive out right away we do not enforce mass mandates that's not a fucking job Anyone that calls nine one zero for that bullshit—that's your to the health chief. Department. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's our chief. Uh, but there's others that will um, entertain.
0: So when I decide to take my daughters to a restaurant in Boston, I'm literally going to get somebody that's going to say,
1: Pippa's please." <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I got you. I'm
0: sorry. Uh, Jordan Peterson says it said it last time, and I think I've said it on the show before. You know, to control people. You give, you piss them off just a little bit and then you back off. You piss them off even more, then you back off. And then by the time you realize it, you're three miles down the road. Yeah. When the Jews got on the trains, I I hate to say this, when they got on the trains, they got on willingly. They didn't fight. They said, all aboard, we're going to take care of you. And they were like, okay. Because the last five years, these people were brainwashed into things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I believe that that's where we're at. But people like Stephanie, people like KP, people like Anthony, the, the New York officer that are stepping up people. It's not just civilians that need to hear this. It needs to empower other cops. That's our purpose. We don't don't make money from this.
1: No, we don't. And, and that's the thing, uh, us as cops, we empower victims. We empower uh, others to feel that they do have a voice. Yeah, you know, like like my whole my the whole premise to my unit is making a neighborhood feel empowered. Right, to be able to root out drug dealers, uh, gangsters, whatever, because you know what they realize that they have the backing of a badass police department that will fuck shit up if they come into the if these gangbangers come into the neighborhood. You're the, you're an exception though. I your department's an exception. Well, that's the thing though. But again how much are we going to keep pushing right and the pushback like you said though the more we push the more pushback we get from the higher ups not so much the citizens it's more on the higher ups right and it's incumbent on us to keep fighting that good fight i agree with you i mean i just here's the thing in the military world right in my in my military world in my military sense i will never ever ever fucking give ground to the enemy It will never fucking happen. I
0: I hate to say this. I don't want to argue with you. We're giving ground to the enemy.
1: That's the thing. We already are. Well, here's the thing. Me as uh, a soldier, as a veteran, as a combat veteran, me personally, I will never give up that fucking ground. You already have. I'm not gonna.
0: Dude, I guarantee no matter how awesome your chief is, you're part of town, you're part of the state, they're gonna have the requirement to show somebody at a restaurant your vaccination papers. Well, You've given up ground, bro. That's not our job, though. I understand that. that but when you want to take your wife to the restaurant, you're going to have to show your vaccine card.
1: Yeah, well. That, be, we've I'll, I'll given be, up ground. I'll be in Florida by then. Trust me. <laughs> if, if that day happens, I'll be in Florida. <laughs> I'm telling you. Stephanie, do or, you think I'm crazy?
2: I No, I don't. You know, I'm surprised it hasn't happened here yet. I don't even want to go downtown Portland. It is such a shithole down there. And I've talked to people that are like restaurant owners or work in that industry. And they're like, it's so bad. You know, there, there's no reason to, I don't want to spend my money in the city. It's just, Se- yeah, Seattle was happening. the same way.
1: Seattle is pretty much bankrupt after all the major corporations that left after mm-hmm. Chaz and all, and all that shit. <laughs> and it was like, it, it was, it was just amazing to me uh, that, that even happened. But again, when you lose the initiative, when my buddy, uh, another friend of mine who works for the same sheriff's department, he was on their SWAT team and they were in Seattle during the riots. And right when the mayor and the Seattle police chief came out with the whole, you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't do this. Their, their boss said, fuck it. We're leaving the city. All the, all the regional SWAT teams and the regional uh, cities, towns, or all that, they all left the city as a result, because you know what, they knew that the city was lost. As
2: soon as well, those mandates yeah. came out, other agencies won't come into Portland to help. Yeah, and, and nobody blames them because they're they're going to end up getting screwed. Over well, here. that's who I identified. feel bad for. I
1: feel bad for the patrol officer on the ground, right, mm-hmm. who does not have that backup anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, and there's... I know they they every every one of them understands that because they don't agree with the policies, and they get it. They just try to to be safe how they do their job. Yeah, but. Most of the time, they just have to not take action. But yeah.
0: Stephanie, let know. me ask you: from your former former department, has there been a mass exodus?
2: Yes, I think there still is too.
0: There's still oh, there's still going on.
2: Do, do you
1: know how? M- do, eating, do you know yeah. how and much? They're
2: going to smaller agencies, less pay, or different careers, different states. Oh, so I think Vegas is advertising over here and Spokane. There was an article recently asking, I think the city or somebody to respond, you know, how, how do they feel about Vegas and these other agencies poaching basically. (laughs) And it it was just, the response was just garbage. And of course, somehow they worked in equity and in inclusion or something into it and racism. It's like, what does that have to do with anything? (sighs) Nothing.
0: It's amazing how much racism these people have created out of thin air.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it, it's so um before we wrap up, I, I want to read the email you sent. Are, are you okay with actually me reading this email you sent out uh, when you uh-huh. left? Are You're okay yep. with that? Okay. Yep. So this is the email that Stephanie wrote on her, on her final days. At Portland. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wrote that thing like 12 different times. Oh no, I know, you, you
1: told me, you, you kept having to revise yeah. it over and over. Oh my over. God, Can't yeah. write that, can't write that. So le- let me read it, and then Stephanie will, will, will leave it to you, kinda to uh, wrap, wrap Close it out. Yeah, to close it out on, on what, you, what you wrote. So I will read this. So uh, greetings PPB family. I want to take a moment to say goodbye to my family. Uh, PPB family. As I have decided to retire several years earlier than planned, I want to address one of many reasons for why I'm leaving. Because it is something about which I feel very strongly. In fact, it ended up being something worth catching an (laughs) insubordination before uh, over. It might surprise some people to know that it is actually my very first one in 26 years in explaining myself I want to honor those values which the Bureau holds in high regard transparency honesty and accountability if you heard about an officer whose actions nearly destroyed the wellness program that was me I appreciate how gracious command was in their effort to protect me by not using my name and shaming me in roll calls when they discussed the incident, but I feel I owe it to them uh, them, as well as my fellow officers to accept accept responsibility for my actions. The actions to which I am referring are in relation to my working out on... Uh, my day off in a precinct gym, ordered closed by the chief's office. I tore down the crime scene tape, threw it away, put my mask on, and proceeded to work out. When I was given a direct order by my supervisor to leave, I refused. A complaint for insubordination was forwarded by my command to IA. I was assigned to the TRU pending the investigation and told that I would be working on a special project, which we already uh, explained on what that was. I should also explain that I didn't take a stress leave because I got in trouble. It's more complicated than that. After 26 years of police work, it's hard to not be suspicious and distrustful. And my perception of what I was being asked to do in relation to the special project ultimately played a partial role in why I decided to take a stress leave. I feel like I owe this explanation to those officers who have spent countless miserable hours on the front lines of the riots, because if anyone deserves a stress leave, it is them. I want to share an incident that occurred early in my career because I found myself struggling with it in relation to the lockdowns. I think it would give perspective as to why the gym closer is such a big deal to me. Although it occurred 22 years ago, it has significant impact on me which we uh, spoke about that incident. Uh, I'm not going to go right through it all, but uh, you you explained it very well in your email uh, about that event. And uh, you go on to say, this event is always in the back of my mind when I go to certain routine calls. It is the very reason strength training is so important to me. As a woman, I'm keenly aware that I'm not as strong as most men. I have to work out diligently and regularly. When I miss my workouts, I notice the impact pretty quickly. I won't apologize for for advocating for my own health and that of my fellow officers. I feel very strongly about the importance of strength training and the roles it plays in officer safety. Not only is it important for the obvious reasons of staying strong and agile, it plays a role in stress relief, mental acuity, and confidence as well. Confidence in knowing that you can in the, uh, you can stay in the fight long enough until cover arrives or survive a fight by yourself when cover arrives but, refu- but refuses to help you. I'm in no way trying to imply that the command does not care about officer safety or that I care about it more than anyone else. I am just trying to provide some insight and perspective of a street officer who knows what it is like to fight for, the, for her life. Regardless of COVID, street officers have to show up to work in person. We haven't uh, been exposed to some pretty nasty things uh, throughout our careers. Active meth labs, fentanyl, parasite infestations, human waste, blood, asbestos, and blood, uh, and black mold, just to name a few. That's why I always say- our- a
0: racist word, don't use that.
1: <laughs> that's why I always say, that's why I always say our bodies are like Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like many officers to whom I spoke, I found myself getting so angry over emails containing inspirational quotes and motivational speakers and ancient philosophers who are Greeks.
3: Yes!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Telling me about the importance of sleep or how to cope with stress. It's really, uh, it is not really breaking news to officers whose hours are extended um, and days off are canceled. Uh, that sleep is important as for coping with stress most officers relieve stress in the gym which is true um i am sure the emails were meant to inspire and motivate i am sure they did just that for some people unfortunately they were having the opposite effect on many street officers who like myself found them to be uh, uh, astoundingly out of touch and disingenuous in part because many of us suspected that they were being sent by someone working from the comfort of their own home I wouldn't begrudge anyone who wants to and is able to work from home. However, the optics of this should be considered when a large portion of your audience consists of officers dealing with rioters all night and then getting chastised for things like not wearing a mask while on break. The issue is obviously brought up some point uh, because I recall seeing a bureau-wide email telling people if they had a problem with the wellness emails, they should block them. A disappointing but typical response, which sadly results in distrust and uh, distrust, and officers feeling that like their input is irrelevant. I could have avoided the, the, a trip to IA by working out in the community room where some gym equipment uh, had been moved, though it did not make much sense to me to be allowed to work out in a community room simply because it was not called a gym. The intent was obviously to provide a space, uh, a place for officers to work out. Although I am sure many. Appreciated the gesture, it sent a conflicting message to officers. If an officer were to act in a manner deemed by command as intentionally circumventing the intent of one of their orders, uh, it would generally uh, land the officer in IA. The truth is, part of me wanted to go to IA. (laughs) I wanted to be heard. Even through deep down, uh, I knew nothing I said would make a difference for me. The gym represented a missed opportunity by command to show support for their officers at a time when our agency is losing so many of them. I will never regret standing up for what I believe in. We all have choices. I respect command's choice to discipline me for defying their order. It was absolutely their prerogative to do so. I'd be lying. I'd be lying, however, if I told you I didn't secretly hope at least one of them would stand up for me. So with that, I bid PPD family a bittersweet adieu. I had hoped my last day would end in 980s with an epic car chase, pit foot chase, (laughs) canine track capture of a serial killer, followed by an even more epic retirement party into the wee hours of the morning. But alas, those days are gone. I wish my friends who chose to, uh, I wish my friends who choose to remain with PPD, uh, sorry, PPB, uh, the best of luck. I look forward to joining several other former PPB officers at uh, Blank PD, where I will finish my career in law enforcement, serving the citizens of that PD. I will—I uh, couldn't very well end 26 years of law enforcement on such a sour note, now could I? I still have a good uh, few years left in me. Sincerely, honestly, and transparently, yours, Stephanie. Wow, badass, elegant,
0: <laughs> to the point. The the one thing that I found was that you could plug in all kinds of different issues with the issues that you listed. Mm-hmm. A lot of elephants in the room that you probably wanted to talk about other things too, uh, but you kind of left it at that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that was a a difficult email to write because I've been on for twenty six years. There are a lot of things to talk about, but I kept leaving that shooting incident out. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to make it totally about me. But I'm like, no, but, but right now it kind of is. And that was, right. you know, something anybody could have gone through, you know, anybody where that oh shit moment of, damn, I, I could have died tonight, you know, yeah. and it was important. you know, I, I felt like I wanted other women to know, too. It's like, this, this was my experience, you know. I don't know. I I had a lot to say. It did take a lot of rewrites, so. though.
1: <laughs> no, but but here's the thing. It was it was it was to the point. You uh, listed, uh, like Pete said, all the points you wanted to list, and it you sent it out. Uh, I assume department wide. Yes. Okay, department wide. So yeah. a lot of officers probably got it, and the command staff probably cringed when they saw it. <laughs> most likely probably and and but that's the thing that's the thing though it needed to be said
0: and that's that's one of the things where i want officers there's we have thousands upon thousands of listeners we want to let people know that they can do these things yes you can speak up yes if the environment is toxic for you or enough where it's ruining your life or you think it's going to ruin your life
1: leave leave do something about it leave
0: Right.
2: That's Stand the up. Stand the the up. point
0: is, just because we're in a paramilitary organization doesn't mean we have to take shit.
1: No, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Not. And, and technically, I actually resigned, right. not retired. And it was it was kind of important to me because like it was important. Once I decide something like I got I to be done now, yeah. I'm not going to hang on just for a few extra bucks. I'll go work somewhere else and be done with it. But,
1: but that's the thing. But, I think the difference is that was your decision. Right? Mm-hmm. Versus command staff coming down saying, no, you have to resign. Right. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: You just it, 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 it speaks highly of you uh, the way you went out.
0: And Stephanie, has your quality of life dramatically changed?
2: Dramatically for the better, yeah. Yeah. I want it people felt to like hear a that. weight off my shoulders. I was so happy to be gone. Yeah, I'm gonna, it wasn't even like a sad. There was a mild sadness, but of course, I, I, it was more of a oh man, I should have done this a long time ago. You were able but, to exhale. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna make that a clip, and I'm gonna probably play that 50 times for people. I want people to realize that the grass can be greener on the other side.
1: Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. You don't you don't have to stay in a uh in a, in a department in a police department that continuously shits on you brother
0: it's like a it's like an abusive relationship
1: oh absolutely exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. i mean i'm sure stephanie you've seen that how many domestic violence victims you've you've dealt with where they will go back to their batter because that's all they yeah. know
2: yeah no i that's exactly how i felt and i think i even described that to some people it's like oh my god i feel like i just got out of an abusive relationship yeah
0: well listen you you got you got we got tens of thousands of listeners. You got about another thirty seconds if you want to give out any kind of wording, any kind of anything you want to give out to these people. Go ahead.
2: Oh, um, oh, now you put me on the spot. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I know you've had a couple no, of I beers just, too. I'm so. just
2: thankful for the opportunity because it, it just felt like I was. Wasted my breath i had people tell me ah don't waste your breath or no one's gonna you know listen like when i sent the letter out but that letter wasn't really for the chiefs it was for everybody else kind of let them know you do have a choice you always have a choice kind of choice and
0: your your mental health is paramount to everything else right your family's health everything and you made the right move and guys and girls, we want to let people know that you can make the right moves.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, Stephanie, can you uh, just stay with us uh, after we do the uh, the outro, and we'll we'll talk a little more.
0: Yeah. Thank okay. you. Thank you for coming on, Stephanie. Really, we appreciate it.
2: My pleasure. Thank you,
1: dude. I love it, man. Uh, I'm I'm so happy. We're empowering so many people well, to speak up too. I, I am so happy that I found her. Yes. Uh, this was an amazing, amazing uh, episode.
0: I'm happy that she talked to you and agreed to come on this show. She should oh, have tr- known better.
1: Trust me, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I, was, I was a little uh, taken aback <laughs> that she even conversed <laughs> with me.
0: <laughs> Guys, thank you for making us the number one military and law enforcement podcast on the planet. We want to say thank you to our supporters, DCD Automotive, which is the Bach Group, AAA Police Supply, Havoc Journal, our partners at the Weekly Havoc Podcast, Second Mission, Live Boston OD Kit, Eagle Eye Firearms, Gun Track, Fit Cops, 22 Mohawks, and Joint Operation. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, where I make a fool of myself.
1: Yeah, you do. Stay safe. Stay safe, man.